Hello and welcome to Cinema Subculture, the podcast where we discuss everything strange, obscure and downright messed up in the world of movies. My name's Gary. And I'm Simon. And it's a Halloween special, 2013. Are you feeling Halloweeny, Simon? I'm feeling very Halloweeny. It's um, dark outside, it's, it's getting really dark early. What are we looking at on this Halloween special? Well, with it being Halloween and with this just recently getting a re-release on Blu-ray for its 35th anniversary... Uh, we decided to look at John Carpenter's Halloween um, from 1978, the classic. Yeah, an obvious choice, you might say. Um, you might say. But yeah, when we chose a Halloween special last year, we went for like the, the obscure one in, yeah, the, of in the, the series. Uh, of yeah, of the Halloween movies. <laughs> yeah. um, but just, I thought, the Blu-ray release. Yeah, that kind of gives an... One yeah. of your personal favourite film, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, give our thoughts on it. So, um... Yeah, this is a film, I mean, I can't quite remember when the first time I saw it was. I feel like I saw, like, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is the sixth film mm-hmm. in the series. Like, first, for some reason, I feel like, I remember seeing that back, back before I was uh, coherent enough to say, no, I have to watch the first one first. Um, so, I feel like I watched that first, not really knowing what was going on in that film. And then I remember seeing the opening, just the opening Seen up to where where we find out that it's young Michael Myers, um, that's doing the murder in nineteen sixty three. I remember seeing that scene and being quite creeped out by it. I mean, I was pretty young. I can't remember quite what age I would be. Early, well, if I was twelve, I, that would have been that's the oldest I can think I would be. Right. Um. So I was quite creeped out by it because I hadn't really seen anything like that. I hadn't seen Psycho by this point. Mm. Anything you know what I mean? Um. Probably the only horror films that I'd seen. Or maybe like Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. Yeah. So seeing that the opening really freaked me out, but I never watched past that at the time. Mm. And it was maybe like a, maybe a couple of years again later when I actually bought the video. I think I bought the VHS, um, my first copy of Halloween, um, which I wish I'd held on, on to now. Actually, mm. got so many copies of it, I don't yeah, have my right, original right. copy. I think I gave it to Ian or something like that. Anyway, um. So I eventually saw this film and it just really resonated with me. I just really enjoyed it. And I think probably one of the things that, like, I'm quite into, like, mythology in film series. Like, even if, like, shit sequels, I'll probably watch it. Mm. Just I like, I like the idea of the story continuing and references back to the first one and things like that. So I think it was probably going through the film series that made me appreciate the first one mm-hmm. all the more, if you know what I mean, for the kind of classic horror that it was. And again, even at that early age, the kind of low-budget, independent film-ness of it really, really got me. The same kind of thing as does with, even more so with like Evil Dead now. Um, I just really find it inspiring and, and interesting and the whole story behind it. These just young filmmakers just kind of um, just doing it, you know what I mean? Mm. Guerrilla filmmaking really just kind of everybody chipping in and getting the job done. And the fact that it became so successful, you know what I mean? Not straight away, but like um, really became like a cult classic. Then like a full-on like is regarded as probably the other than Psycho the first proper like 80s I think it was 78 uh, like slasher you know the right. start of the sla- the kind of popularisation of the slasher genre mm. um, in the states anyway mm-hmm. so yeah I just always always had a special place in my heart for this film um, probably quote all the lines from it you know at one point you know um, haven't watched it in a while so it was nice to see it in the the, the new Blu-ray restoration um, and People who listened last year might know that I didn't get to see it on the big screen last year. I was a bit mm. bummed by that. So, yeah, this was fun to watch for me again. Yeah. Um, I give it two 
Simon thumbs up. Right. So <laughs> do you think um do you still stand behind it as a great film or as part of your reason for liking it, that affection of childhood? It's probably definitely yeah. nostalgia. I mean it's hard to separate the two now because when I watch it it's just like watching like you know, it's like watching a film that I know so well. Mm. So it's hard to tell where that end begins and ends, you know what I mean, mm. with the nostalgia. I mean, from a technical standpoint, I mean, I think it looks gorgeous. Some of the, the well, all of the, the, the camera work I love, you know, the mm. steady cam start, well, Panaglide, sorry, um, camera at the beginning. Um, you know, them trying to do like, seamless cuts as best they can, you know, for the low budget. And mm. I don't know, I still think for, for what it was at the time, I just think it's still, you know, brilliant. I don't know. I mean, we've spoken. About this. I don't know if it holds up in a filmmaking stance as well as. No, I think a technical side it still holds up as well as something like Psycho. I think it's it feels dated now compared to the slash that came later. Mm. I think Psycho gets a, a bit of a slide because of the, because of of the high level of filmmaking and the the fact that it's Hitchcock mm. and there's something that's just there with that that's different. Um, I, th- I think Halloween has something like that, but it's not as uh, timeless as something like Psycho. Mm. And I, I think even if something like, if Psycho had been shot in color, even like you know, it may, you know, I mean that's an ob- you know, yeah, that that could have hurt that and made it lose its its timelessness. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I mean I don't know because I mean if you look at something like if you watch Psycho and then you watch something like something like Rope Rope. As uh, uh, one of my favorite films as well, but it is dated a little bit. Okay, you know you can see it's on a set and stuff like that. So yeah, there's ways right. you know that short that date it. You know, mm. um, whereas Psycho, I don't, I don't really feel that with. There's an atmosphere in Psycho that's there, which again is there in Halloween, but I think because of all the slashers that came after it, mm. it kind of feels slower. And a little less, less happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, there's only what three murders, other than the f- little four, if you could, if you include them, um, just at the beginning. Right. Okay. Um. So it is fairly slow and low body count for a, a slasher. Yeah, yeah. Whereas something like, like Psycho isn't yet a fully formed uh, slasher yet. Mm. You know, it's more of a suspense with that kind of the birth. Right, yeah. Of the slasher mm. in there, you know what I mean? Sure. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. That's, does that answer your question? No. Yes, no. <laughs> no, I mean... Great answer. Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just put that up. That's better than last episode. Just put that up. That's fine. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Thanks for listening and goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, so the first time that I saw the film was... Uh, yeah. We uh-huh. watched it together. We uh, did like a marathon you... of all the Halloween films. Right, aye. Except for Halloween 3. Right. Because okay. I never had that in DVD at the time. <laughs> In fact, right. I've still not got it on DVD. I've got it on Blu-ray now. Okay. But the DVD copy was always shit. And it was the wrong aspect ratio right, and things right. like that. Um, and we did it over one night, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think you were encouraging me to watch it. I was quite unfamiliar with horror films at the time. I was slightly apprehensive, as I recall. You're feared. Aye, you might, you might say that sound. <laughs> <laughs> but aye, so something like 15 years ago. 50? 15. Holy shit, I was like... Nah, we're not oh, that, we're not that, that old, that, that age yet. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm just turned 30, yeah. you swine. Uh, which surprised me, me think I'm I, old. When I thought back, uh, it doesn't seem that long no, ago. No, I know. There you go. M- must have, yeah, it must, must have been 15 years ago. I mean, I'd, I'd probably, that's probably around the time when I, you know, I first got that 
video and then collected them all. Right. I remember aye. going to. I mean, this is just me now. Going nostalgia. Remember, I went to memorabilia at Glasgow in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the SCCC, and I had because I've been buying the tapes like the VHS through like our price or Playhouse, whatever it was at that time, the video store and um in town, and um the. Like you could order so many, you could order certain ones, you know, like or W. H. Smith or Menzies as it was. You could order they had a list of stuff you could order in that didn't necessarily stock. Um, and for some reason, I had looked on the inter- I think I think I had the internet. I couldn't get Halloween four right in the original with the original box art and stuff like that. The way I was like, and I remember we were memorabilia ninety eight. That rings a bell in my head. Um, fifteen we were. That ring, aye, aye, 98. Remember, we were at 98 or 99, we were at, and I I found an old copy of the VHS for 50 pence. Oh, yeah. And and it was a right cover and everything, and it was a wee bit tatty, but I wasn't bothered. Yeah, yeah. And I got that, and and at that point, obviously, the, um, oh, it could be a shit copy. You know, the tape could fuck, you know, totally mangled or whatever. Never really resonant, you know, I didn't know about that, so uh, I was just so happy to have it, and I was like, oh, this is amazing, 50 pence. Um,. That was the same memorabilia. I think I got bumped for um, X Files ideas. Oh right, yeah, Remember, I was the say mo- that was modern Scully one. one. <laughs> and they're just like the beginning of the TV show, Gary. <laughs> On closer inspection, they were nothing like the ones at the beginning of the TV show, and I get bumped. <laughs> but um, I got my Halloween four video, right. so that 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 was that. So yeah, I, we we decided to watch them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got at the time I was um, slightly. Not disappointing, but it wasn't. I didn't find it scary at all mm-hmm. the first time. Um, and just the other night there, I think this is only the second time I've seen the film the whole way. Um, and I got to say, um, I do like it, but I, I, I've got some issues with it. I think. Um, I think you at the bit at the back when we watched that night and watched all the films. You you said that Halloween Four was the best one. Is that you, right? like, you liked that? So oh well, good. there you go. Amongst fans, that is the the kind of was the second good one, yeah. really after like the the first one. Mm. Two to less extent. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm. Um, I think I've got an appreciation for Carpenter's style. I like what he's trying to do. He's got a very classic Hollywood style, um, in terms of long takes, a methodical possibly approach in the sense that he's no. He feels like it's what he's made. This is his third film. Halloween. Yeah. Uh, yeah, t- yeah, technically, yeah. Assault and Precinct 13 was his first yeah. like, proper film. Aye. Made Dark Star before that, but it was like a kind of university mm. or college project that they expanded into yeah. feature with Dan O'Bannon. Um, yeah, I mean, technically, it's quite accomplished mm. in the sense that he's letting the story speak for himself with the long takes. It's sort of just sort of slow pan camera, um, sort of using the, the deep focus. But um, I don't know, it just feels for me, as a horror film, it feels for me as it's not scary and there's really no suspense in it, um, which is kind of crucial for me. I'd, but I think I'm probably being maybe more critical of it due to the fact that it's held as one of the, mm-hmm. the greatest of all time. I mean, a film, I probably wouldn't really criticise a film like something we've done in the past, like My Body Valentine. Mm-hmm. Not scary at all, but... Um, I'm probably not going to criticise that yeah. in the same way. Um, I wouldn't say that was in the same league as Halloween, no, personally, no. but I'm yeah, just... Yeah. You know. No, I'm just saying... Um, yeah, no, I understand your point. No, yeah. I get your point in something. Um, and, oh. I mean, if you look at the success of the film, it is an extremely scary film for most people. Like, mm-hmm. they talk about the audience reaction. Yeah. Um, everyone's loving it. But, um, I don't know. I mean, again, like, just to context this for the people listening, 
uh, Gary also doesn't think The Exorcist is that scary. No, that's another one. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, which is I mean, I really like the film. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily find, didn't find it scary necessarily when I was watching it, but as a psychological effect, that when I watched it, it definitely had an effect on me. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and I know people do really have a, a, a reaction to that mm. film. So, so I mean that I don't know if that contextualizes it at all for people. I mean, yeah. What would you class as a, a scary film that you have seen? Um, oh well, I mean, if you through the history of horror, I mean, there's films that I mean, Psycho isn't really scary anymore, yeah. but it's still very suspenseful. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. that's an important um, the tension you're building in a horror film film is uh, is crucial to it. Um, I mean, and you can see that in most Hitchcock films. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would still say The Shining. I mean, see, once you've seen a film a few times, you're not scared That's by it. True. But That's The Shining true. was always one of the ones I would throw up there as one of the scariest of all time. But do you think the fact that there were so many, and a lot of the slashers that we have watched for this podcast and in life are basically clones of Halloween or Psycho? Um, do you think that has an effect? You know, you're seeing if, if you've seen a film before. So basically, oh, yeah. so many of those films are mm. beat for beat clones yeah. of. Like Halloween, yeah, specifically, less well to a lesser extent probably Psycho because, as I say, Halloween was a kind of more traditional like what we think of as the slasher genre stuff. Yeah. Um, do you think that has an effect? Well, on it? see, I was thinking that as it watching it now is it the fact that these tropes are so conventional that it makes them less effective. But for those types of things, it should still work because it's about. Um, is ways that you can generate an audience reaction that's just about, like, as Hitchcock would say, like, pressing chords on a piano. And it's a... a the audience has a, has a designated response that's guaranteed to happen if you do it right. Um, and, and I would agree with that. It's the same, like, uh, in modern horror, um, where it's all based around jump scares. Uh-huh. And just do a loud bang on the soundtrack and the audience is going to jump. It's kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's like it's a biological in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that kind of natural reaction. Bit of flight kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Think um, but so it should work, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. What the point you're saying, like going forward, you should be able to play on the same principles. But once you've seen, kind of, I don't know, like once you've had that so many times, or or like the kind of essence of it. Like going back to the the original instance of it, is probably gonna be watered, feel watered down, mm. or even like because like the, the the envelope gets pushed so often, you know they they go gorier, they go like more gruesome, you know they they do different things mm. that when you go back to that it seems rather tame. Mm. Where as I said before, it, it, I think with this it was the alienness of it mm. that it hadn't it, like and, you know and you said obviously cycle before it which is fair. But the fact that this wasn't like, uh, like as we say, Psycho was Marion, uh, Marion Crane, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's running with money. She's a thief. She's done something wrong. You know, there's a punishment type right. thing. You know, that kind of thing. It's a melodrama. I yeah, know, yeah. She, yeah. She goes to the CD. Well, maybe not CD, but a motel, which can be considered CD even now. You know what mm. I mean? Maybe it wasn't then, but it definitely has that connotation now. We have the kind of like gothic. How creepy house the the mother shouting you know think that those are things that are very um like creepy anyway mm. right whereas this it was set in like just like 
it could be anyone's neighborhood neighborhood yeah. you know which hadn't been done before i don't think mm. um and in the in these neighborhoods everybody thought they were pretty safe you know no, there hadn't been really a horror film set in the real world really i don't think like in the as in like it could be your eye you know not right. sensationalizing it a little bit to be like okay this is a thief and the run the run you know blah 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 mm. it could be your eye your life or my life you know mm. Um, the, these young girls are just going to school. They're just heading home. They, you know, they live in this small town. Um, they're just babysitting. They're, you know, they're just that they're fooling around with their boyfriends, whatever. Um, and this like killer's just there. Mm. Um, and it's the, the quote that I always remember is like, "No one locked their no one locked the doors." You know, before this point, right. you know, it was very much like everybody knew everybody, and you know, people just went and came. You know, as as they wish. Mm. Whereas this uh, this kind of exposed that like. That, that that can have maybe like innate fear of like somebody could be in the house because I've left my door open. Yeah, you know, um, um, and I don't know if that's the same for us now because we, you know, it's different culture. You know, it's a di- different time. Mm. Um, and it, knowing knowing that that horror trope is out there, mm. it's kind of like it, it, it's the same thing isn't going to scare us about that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. I mean, if you think back to like some of the example that like some of the stuff that is on the video nasties list that was considered even the stuff that was worth you know worthily there, and the fact that it was gory and you know excessive Aye. all the time is nothing to us now. Mm. You know, sure. I, I mean, I take your point, but I I think that we're looking at it through the prism of time and and the same conventions. Like society is different now. Aye. And more guarded, so that that kind of thing seems less realistic. Whereas that at that point it was very realistic, and it was it never really been done on your doorstep before. Everything was Dracula in his castle, or even Norman Bates in his his you know his house. It's mm. it's not really something you you see, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, yeah, could be something about that. It it does have a, a kind of tameness as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's inherent. It's possibly due to like Carpenter's style. As which I was saying was great, but it possibly feels like um kind of twenty years out of date in sense of well, it's maybe not the style, it's maybe more just the content. I mean, Carpenter was saying he was wanting to do something that was really it didn't have a lot of gore or scares mm-hmm. like the scares were traditional. Yeah. Um it's about if you got your monster, um you don't want to show it off because the mystery is more effective than actually showing them up front um but if you compare it to the texas chainsaw massacre which i would put up there as a masterpiece one of the greatest horror films and a film that still stands as being pretty scary mm-hmm. um that's a film see that was kind of curious they're both independent films mm-hmm. but halloween seems one that probably would fit in the hollywood tradition could have been a studio movie Mm-hmm. Uh, more so than Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that is what Hooper achieved there was just a kind of masterpiece of anarchy and the kind of the horror is it's absolutely wild like your cannibals your crazy Ed Gein shit with the skinned uh, lampshades and all the mm-hmm. bones and just that that dinner scene um, where you've got your your main protagonist just been terrorised um, it just seems like different worlds in a way as you're saying that, I mean, I'm thinking through, you know, like, because again, it still kind of falls under that kind of, it's unrealistic, really, you know, right? Mm. But let's take it away from that. 
It's now, and, and let's look at what is real about it. Um, you have teenagers on a road trip stopping over at a house that was a family-owned house. Mm. Right, so that they're, they're, you know, they're kind of, it's the kind of kids going to a cabin in the woods kind of thing almost, right? Um, and then can inadvertently stumble over this family of cannibals. Aye. Something that, although far-fetched, is, is something like you're starting off with real teenagers on a road trip. Aye. Which is very real now. It's something that we could probably relate to if we were in the, like, I mean, even more so. Like, I mean, I, th- I, f- I think sometimes about like, you know, driving across country in america like, and thinking i think i'd be creeped out just inherently you know what i mean like you know maybe it's because of text chain so masculine films like that so that kind of stuff could still happen and still happens in films now you know like, i don't know i mean like, even the hostile films you know um human centipede you know they still use that as a trope very much of horror films you know people on a road trip and being abducted or and it still happens even in real life you know Whereas the stuff in Halloween is, again, very... That doesn't seem to happen, you know, now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not, like... That almost seems further-fetched, you know, the the madman on the loose in in the neighbourhood. That's, like, something you tell, you know, your kids about your ghost story. You know, the the, the guy with the hook or whatever. You know what I mean? It seems very, like, kind of cartoonish. Whereas, although Text Chainsaw Massacre may visually look a little more cartoonish, Mm. you know... That's something that's a very still a very real fear in people mm. about being abducted or uh, attacked when you know on long road trips or whatever, stopping over somewhere and there's weird people. Right, yeah. That's still a, a very much a real sc- scary thing now. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why Texas Massacre still holds up and is so is still so creepy. Yeah, you know, it's just in the whole uh, sort of culture of the seventies. How we're talking about seventies horror specifically was a, a paradigm shift um, which reflected the political currents of the day. Um, and uh, Halloween is definitely an important um, text in that because of what you're saying is real. Um, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me feels like a 70s movie because it's so out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so um, nihilistic. Um, but this feels like it feels like a 50s maybe or it could have been a 60s Hitchcock I mean it, in book. comparison to to Texas Massacre and, and I guess some other 70s films it definitely it feels quite sanitised mm. you know um, you know it's the kind of horror movie that you can let your mum and dad see yeah. and then mm. you know that. so I get I get your meaning like um, and that that probably does come from as you say like Carpenter's more kind of adherence to like classical Horror. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, it's a big fan of the thing and and like Night Living Dead and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. so I take. I mean, that I think. I mean, like people watch can watch Night Living Dead now and and not only not think it's scary but think it's probably hokey. Mm. You know, which I mean, I, hopefully most people can see that that's like bullshit. But <laughs> um, and same we and and I dare say even with Psycho. You know, like a big chunk of the mainstream audience could could check that out and think, wait, yeah, why isn't it in color? And then they switch off. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think you're probably right in the fact that it, it is a, a more sanitized, studio friendly mm. version of a horror film. Mm-hmm. You had something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I was just looking even like um, 
bare blood, seventy one, and it was it was already using stuff like and even like gore that wouldn't be used in the states properly till like Friday Thirteenth Part mm. Two even mm. you know okay. um so I know obviously that's Italian cinema but um it's it's very hard for me to to be able to judge it on its own merit for the time I can only take people's words on what what it was like to live in that era mm. in the states yeah. in the kind of suburban town you know and have that sense of like complete safety mm-hmm. shattered by by this kind of holy crap this is like this could maybe happen like you know like this is we better fucking shut the doors yeah <laughs> um because who, who knows you know there's always that kind of creepy like you know like house maybe in the town or whatever in, in the village um and you know who knows what happened there i guess but cool <laughs> I got lost in the thought there, but but I, t- I definitely take your point. Um, it's weird in, res- in retrospect. I guess probably for people watching horror films, you know, for that kind of eighties feel, I guess we're seeing seventies film and stuff like that, like Nightmare on Elm Street and and Friday Thirteenth probably stand better. But I think that's more to do with what you know goes on. The pace is higher in those films. I was wanting to bring up just the subjective camera. Obviously not the first time that it was used, but it's one of the kind of pioneering, mm. like classic versions of that technique. Um, Apparently the second time the well the Panaglide first time it was okay. used I think. Yeah. Uh, the Steadicam was used in Exodus Two I think before that. Okay. Um, but this was the kind of first Panaglide. Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, like, did Carpenter have any specific motivation for, in terms of the the plot or the character, to do that? I was just. I think he just wanted. He wanted to see from see what see through the killer's eyes. Yeah, Basically, yeah. that was his, and so that we couldn't see who it was. So that only time we ever got a clue to where the killer was was from his perspective, okay. almost. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, you, you kind of see, you see the killer throughout the film, like in the background, out of focus, kind of thing. Usually, um. But it was used as very much as a kind of foreboding, like 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 Jaws cam. Mm. You know, in, in Jaws, that, that, it was a similar effect, I think, to that. Even what you're saying about showing your monster, or, you know, like... I know that wasn't planned in Jaws, but um, right. it's a similar effect mm. um, of, kind of, this predator. Yeah. You know. So it's just more of a kind of technique in so. terms of narrative. Yeah, uh-huh. That's obviously a Hitchcock, something mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. used a lot, just to... It was purely to control the audience mm-hmm. and as a, a story technique. But as you might say, I mean, you could read into the, the use of of it in the 70s horror uh, tradition as a kind of um, putting the audience in the killer's shoes and saying that we're kind of, right, there's no innocence anymore, mm-hmm. the audience is guilty, Rock, but uh, I think yeah. that's, that's probably reading into it. Just yeah. wondering if, if uh, Carpenter had any like motivations like that. I've certainly never heard them mention that. Right, aye. Um, as I say, it seemed to be more of a kind of, like a, 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 a cool idea, I think. Yeah. Thought, you know, thought it, was, it looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he liked the way the the Panna glide worked, um, to give that kind of smooth motion. Mm-hmm. But no, I think that was just kind of yeah, because what in the slashers what tends to happen is you you're starting with the 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 killer's POV, but then as the story progresses, you're switching to usually the final girl. Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, it's usually you're in her POV by mm-hmm. the end of the film, and you're sort of um, yeah waiting I for mean, her. Uh, I mean that kind of 
happens in Halloween. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's uh, pretty much what happens when, from I think the point, I think after the like just before when those, the couple has sex, I think that's when it switches properly to Jamie Lee's. Right. Like, yeah. You know, when they get killed, when the, just before the guy comes up and well, Michael comes up in the the, the sheet. Okay. And then after that, it switches to kind of like primarily Jamie Lee's. Um, for the rest of the for the rest, yeah, you know, yeah. to the end of the film, mm-hmm. um, yeah. No, there's always there's a wee bit of irony of that that style where what happened with it as like these um, series progressed into sequels is that it became the audience was kind of rooting for the, the oh, serial yeah. killer. Mm-hmm. Way, like, yeah, they that, they, came, they became the star of the yeah, yeah. of the show. I mean, uh, that's why it's always so cute. I was saying it's so good because um, like Robert England played Freddy like right uh, through, you know. Whereas all the other were all played by different actors. Mm. I think the other one was Kane Hodder who played Jason like three times, I think. Right. So, um, but yeah, no, it definitely it's it's weird um, how that like they became the rock stars of the mm. of the slasher. Aye. You know, interestingly, like we we're talking about Psycho. You've not seen Psycho two, have you? No, no. It's kind of <clears throat> it's weird how that convention of rooting for the killer or rooting for the traditional antagonist of the film is kind of flipped in in, in Psycho 2 if, okay. you, if, if anyone has seen it you maybe know what I mean uh, it's quite interesting because you, you're totally on the side of Norman Bates in that film um, which is pretty cool uh, I think it's, it's definitely worth a watch I'm talking to you Gary not just the listeners <laughs> but um, if anyone hasn't seen it I think it's it's not just a it's not just a by the number sequel it's pretty interesting one thing I was a wee bit, I was thinking about the film and it doesn't really have any thematic depth to it. Um, just something you could criticise it for. Mm. There's a scene I thought it was building up, uh, the classroom scene, yes. um, where the teacher's talking about the, the fate fate and the sort of interpretation of fate. Um, yeah, I mean, I always think, and whenever I watch that scene, I always think that as well. I think, yeah. I try, you know, I listen to what's being said and the way that it's punctuated... I always think that it is for I think it is foreboding to what's gonna you know it's kind of saying like kind of like to the audience like what's gonna happen this film's gonna happen and like there's nothing really you guys can do about it mm-hmm. or like, you know it's um I, I guess it kind of leads to the kind of powerlessness or the naivety of of the characters of not knowing that this is gonna happen you know what I mean even like the the noises that happen outside and. The kind of weird stuff like the keys aren't there, then the doors are the doors open in the car. You know, the, it's right. like you don't notice this almost. It's like kind of thinking they're completely safe. Aye, you know. So I, I mean, I, I, I always think that, but I, it hasn't really followed through. I guess into the rest of the film. Mm. Um, people who maybe look at Halloween two and, and find out how the story progresses. Um, with the connection between Michael and, and Laurie Strode, you could say that it's maybe foreshadowing that, but that was not. You know, that was never intention by Carpenter. He didn't. Have that that was not his right. uh, call at that point anyway. Yeah, you know he was obviously writ- wrote the sequel, but mm. um, that wasn't something that he had planned. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, maybe it was just the the nature of the production. I mean, Carpenter's like a really intelligent guy. I'm sure he would have wanted to do that. Maybe it's just a case of he had to write the script quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the script was initially written by Deb- uh, Deborah Hill, right? Um, and it was really he rewrote. You know, he did a second draft right, or things okay. like that, took things out, added things and, mm. and such. So, I mean, it was initially conceived as a sequel to Black Christmas, I believe. 
that you know the, right. the, the, um, well I say it I don't think by them I think this um, staff at ICAD Trancas Trancas International the film company that kind of eventually funded them wanted to do something like that in the vein of Black Christmas right um, yeah was and, it you know, Urban Yablas or something Yablins. came up with the idea Urban yeah. Yablins and they, they kind of came up with the idea for like the babysitter killers right, killings or something like that they wanted a sequel kind of a pseudo sequel to like you know in the same way Zombie 2 is a sequel to you know um, Dawn of the Dead not really though um so I think Carpenter and Hill had come up with this, uh, the babysitter killings kind of thing, right? That was going to be the thing. And I think it was our own Yablins that said to set it on Halloween. Right, okay. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it gets credited with being like the first kind of proper slasher, whereas I, I think, I mean, you haven't seen Black Christmas yet either, Constantine. Yeah. You can see these films. Then I've not seen The Shining, so it's all right. <laughs> all, all evens itself <laughs> up. Um, but, when you see that film, I think it, watching that after having watched all the the, the slashers that I'd see, I've seen, mm-hmm. it's it's got a little something I think in um, Black Christmas that yeah. the other ones either didn't follow through with or you know they weren't necessarily copying that because it wasn't such a big film. It was a Canadian film, I believe. A uh, you know one of those kind of Canadian with American actors or or whatever I can't okay. remember, but it, it wasn't quite. Um, or that known, I don't think, in the States mm. uh, to be copied or not as successful even, mm. you know, like, like Halloween became. Um, but I definitely recommend seeing Black Christmas. It's, a, it's fun. Yeah. And and it played about with things that, you know, slasher elements that came later even, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, one of the documentaries I was watching, Carpenter said that the film possibly about the revenge of the repressed right um, but it was a very short bit he didn't really expand on that mm-hmm. um, and you, I think the idea is that it's about rep- repressed sexuality and that Laurie uh, that's a link between Michael and Laurie yeah that's why she can right uh-huh. um, the the film is a tro- has a trope of the, the, the cliche of the slasher that if you have sex you're going to die mm-hmm. but I think Carpenter's defence of that he's saying that that's that's looking at it the wrong way yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. he was saying that it's that's really nothing to do with it it's the fact that they're just kind of um, not really paying attention to anything outside their own little personal lives mm-hmm. um, the sort of ignorance of it um, and the fact that Laurie's the kind of virginal character in a way that the film plays out that she gets to express her sexuality in a more uh, violent way mm-hmm. by like taking out the killer, stabbing the killer. Mark this quote. Right. Yeah, it's just saying like that's looking at it the wrong way. Uh, the one girl who's the most sexually uptight just keeps stabbing this guy with a long knife. He's the most sexually frustrated. She's the one that killed him not because she's a virgin but because all that repressed energy starts coming out. She uses all those phallic symbols on the guy. She and the killer have a certain link, sexual repression. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, the, the I was listening to the new commentary with Jamie Lee Curtis and him uh, just today, and he was like, she brought up the fact of the you know the whole the virginal girl and you know the fact that she survives and and that whole thing that you know became obviously a slasher trope of you know you have sex you get killed mm. and he pretty much poo pooed it and said like yeah that was never I didn't 
that was never my thing. Like it right. was just it just was the character, you know, it wasn't mm. necessarily that because you know, because she never had sex that, that she um that she got to survive or anything like that. But I don't know, I, ha- I hadn't really heard you know, that kinda side of it really right. other than, you know, the, the kind of small parts in the the documentary. Mm. Um I mean, what do you think of sex as Michael's motivation in any way? Uh, I mean, yeah, well, I guess you've got the sister at the, the beginning. I mean, oh, for oh. me, that's, a, 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 moving on a wee bit, that's a, a kind of thing I have about Michael Myers as a villain. Uh-huh. I don't quite get his motivation. Sure. Uh, but maybe he's not made to have any, really. But Well, I mean, that that was the thing about him in the original. I mean, they made a big deal in the back of the, like the in the video, you know, the blurb in the, the video about him. It's like uh, 15 years later and he was reliving his crime from killing right. his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think the whole thing I always heard was that it was scarier because he didn't have any motivation. Aye. He he just kind of latched onto these people when he came back to town. You know, he sees Laurie when she comes up to the house mm. um, and he just kind of latches on. It's almost like a voyeuristic thing yeah. that he's got. Like when he's a wee boy, obviously, you see the wee boy, you think of him, if you look back in the opening scene, it's like the wee boy sneaking around the house, peeking in the window, he's, his yeah. sister and her boyfriend. You know, like just like being mischievous almost mm. um i mean the motivation motivation i mean i can only speak to i feel like I, know, I can only speak to the motivation that i know from the the mythology of the rest of the films yeah you know so they give him a reason later yeah. on um as for the the, the first film I, I mean i don't know what his motivation for the for killing his sisters but i think that's what they're tr- it's trying to be like really creepy and kind of look freaky yeah a because he's just more oh, just killed this this girl then you realise he's a wee boy and it's his sister. So that's, I think it's just there as a kind of, this is fucked up. Aye, I think the problem I have with it, he should, he doesn't really have any motivation, he's just a psycho, but everything he does is, in his pursuit of the, the, the three girls, is incredibly considered mm-hmm. and determined. Mm-hmm. He makes a concerted effort to follow these girls about. Yeah. Um, where if you've just let a random psycho with just anarchy on his mind, why is he killing specific people? Is it like, uh, is it does he latch onto them because he's in, he's he's back to his goes back to his house and he sees Laurie coming up? Is that basically he sees her and then? I think that I think that's the thing. I mean, I, th- I don't know whether it's it's you know like the, the the conversation that Tommy Doyle and her have at the door about something bad happened there once, you know, and maybe it's something to do with that. Mm, right. Um, you could say that the when he kills um, PJ Soul's character, that that's directly linked to to his sister mm. you know um just having the sex the sex just having sex um you know it's, it's you know it's very similar characters so you could see that you know that could be him reliving it yeah um but i definitely think it's you see him driving past the characters and they shout at him and stuff like that mm. so i think it's it's more like provocation right or not provocation more he's voyeuristically attached to them and following their lives, right? Mm. But I mean, that's all. Just I think it's it's intended to be just like, why is he? You know, it's almost like reflecting the question back at you, right? You know, why is he following these people? Okay, you know? aye. Why do you think it is almost? You know, what I mean, that's. Mm. I don't think it's meant. It's meant to be senseless, right? Okay. Um, but I, I take. I mean, like, I mean, they said they put him in the white mask so that he, he was like inhuman, emotionless. Right. 
and and kind of like just this monster without a face. Again, it's hard to judge how effective that is now. I mean, with like Freddy's not really scary, and you know the burnt face isn't really a scary image anymore. Mm. It's kind of cartoon, yeah, cartoonish. So this it's hard to see how squeaky this would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing it, yeah, know? yeah. I think I think this maybe should have could have made it made them more interesting by putting more of the backstory in. Because mm-hmm. um, all that stuff that Donald Pleasance is going on about is really interesting. Um, you know, talking about he's not a man, um, he's pure evil. Mm-hmm. That's a, Donald Pleasance, uh, Pleasance is a highlight of the film. Oh, man. Yeah. And we only had him for four days of the <laughs> yeah, whole 20-day yeah. shoot. Um, but I know he is. He, yeah, he's, yeah. he's got the like, uh, Peter Cushing kind of mm. Van Helsing thing going. You know what yeah. I mean? Definitely chasing down the monster. He's brilliant, so he is. Um, I, I mean, Carpenter talks about like this, like Michael Myers, like, evil is the like, force of nature, and it's like right. he, he's meant to be the personification of evil. Mm. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean. Like if they had, you mean more stuff at the sanitarium and things. Yeah, just making them more something like Leatherface, where Myers seems very intelligent, mm-hmm. and he has he's, he acts rationally and in a way that's determined, predetermined, uh, and considered. Is Leatherface react as like a total things come into his world and he just reacts to them, mm. um, and he doesn't exactly know how to solve the problems of yeah, what's like, going on. Um, like Mars is kind of it seems like a contradiction there. Mm, Mars is kind of set up as a childlike figure who's very like, stoic and obviously he d- commits murder when he's a child. Doesn't have any interaction really with anyone other than his doctor. Yeah, for fifteen years mm. and. Is meant to, you know, be kind of almost stuck in that state of mind. Yeah. Whereas Leatherface is literally a child. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's very much, I mean, after that first like, murder and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he freaks out and is like, oh no, what's dad going to say? Kind of fashion, you know? Um, but so, yeah, I get what you mean. I, I, I feel like it's, he is calculating and he is um, purposeful in what he does. He knows what he's going to be doing, mm. but it, it's all the, the the thing is that it's like it's not an emotional response. There's no emotional response. You know, you mentioned that, but that with the the sheet and stuff like that. But I think that's more of a maybe it's not that he's, maybe it's not that he's emotionless. It's that he does he's like, like sociopathic. You know what I mean? He's just trying to like freak people out. He's literally right. trying to. Mm. He doesn't care. You know, it's not like he's a uh, freaking out about anything. Right. I mean, the thing the dog, the dogs, it's quite interesting. He mm-hmm. kills two dogs and eats mm-hmm. them. But no, 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 doesn't he? Eats know? one. Well, he we eats don't one. Know. yeah, I think it says. Uh, I Aye. guess it's a dog in the Myers house. Um, yeah, I mean that again comes back to that kind of like just doesn't care. Just yeah. like he needs to eat, he eats. Aye. Um, the, the other dog is barking at him and he's like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> Aye, just about weird. Why not just stab it or something? But um, I mean, he maybe does stab yeah, it. Yeah, right. You don't know. All oh, right, okay. And then it's it. Doesn't eat this second one. Oh. <laughs> um, no, that's really interesting. But as again, it kind of contradicts. Yeah, that's kind of portraying him as really animalistic. Mm. But uh, see, I feel like I, I, in my head, I just imagine I'm like kind of cold and like not even like. He doesn't. He's not like contemplating. I'm going to kill this dog. Yeah, slice, right. slice. He just picks it up, kills it, and like is like fuck it. Like you know what I mean. Just like right. kind of completely, like um, 
He's not even thinking through, like, I'm going to kill this person, this being, whatever. He just right. does it. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, see at the, the start? Almost like uh, he's in like a kind of waking cat- catatonic state. Right. You know? Uh. But he can see everything he's doing. He knows what he's doing, but he's, he's having no, like, kind of emotional effect on him. Yeah. Necessarily. He just does it. Hmm. As his motivation to recreate his sister's death. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's uh, almost as if he's meant to be reliving his... The scene uh, where he brings a tombstone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. Again, I think that's just... I don't know how much that is, oh, he's meant to be reliving this crime, or how much it is that this just looks cool for a film. (laughs) And it's a cool thing to see Donald Pleasance going through a graveyard with a guy with that story. I mean, that story that guy tells is brilliant as well, I think. Uh, He never gets to tell his end, but... Um, and then the 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 gravestone's gone, got gone. Sorry, and Pleasance gets to give the line. He came home. You know, yeah. that's it. Feels like maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Maybe you could say his motivation is to recreate that. Then, but he keeps doing it again and again. So I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe like as he he didn't as a as a young boy he didn't get to in his pathological mind get to savor the fact that he murdered his sister and. Like, you know, like, can I maybe do everything he wanted to do? Maybe if he could have, he would have, you know, had her on some sort of steeple. Right. Maybe this is him getting getting his jollies, his rocks off. Yeah. 15 years later when he can actually do. And it's almost like a kind of weird tribute to the mother of his sister. Mm. Maybe. That's maybe why it's Halloween again, you know what I mean? It's... Was he trying to have sex with her when he stabbed her? In a weird way? No. I mean, <laughs> like, you could say that. You could say that. I mean, maybe. It's like, that guy was here really quickly, just jumped up there, <laughs> barely pumped you, and away. Yeah. I'll finish you. Is he maybe fetishising the knife, as Freud might say, where you don't develop a normal sexuality, so you get these phallic symbols and obsess them? Perhaps, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's uh, up for debate, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. I, I can't honestly say that I ever thought that he wanted to pump his sister. Right. Well, maybe he didn't realise the the social um, impropriety of that. Sure, sure. Um, but it's, might... you can't. It's difficult to read into it because mm. there's not really much here to work with. So, see at the start mm-hmm. when he's walking down out of the house and the two adults that turn up is that his parents? Yeah. Right. Okay. Hmm. I was just wondering if that was like the first instance is, is that when he broke or was it like that before? Well that's that's. I mean again it's not really explained Yeah I yeah. It's just because they have I've got quite a reserved reaction fuck's sake what you done now? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the mother just puts her hands in her pocket and she's like yeah, I mean, it's I don't like, know. You're like, holy fuck, you've got a knife. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know how much is that of that is uh, right. due to the acting of the the parents. Right. I mean, the sister's pretty <laughs> like she's not the best actress either. Like, like, like mm. he's killed. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so I get, I get you. I mean, I uh, feel like it. It was kind of set up to be this big shock for the audience, right? So. Like I think having them freaking out may have taken away from that. Yeah, it's maybe you've got that beautiful uh, crane, is that crane shot coming yeah, out? Yeah, crane shot so coming out. Maybe that would have messed up the mm. shot. 
I think it's meant to just come from his blank face of what I mean. You you know what he's just done. You expect you're expecting it to be this raging character of you know mm. like murderous kind of yeah. leather face type person whatever. Yeah. And he sees this little blank expression face yeah. little boy, and he's not even he's 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 got no reaction to what he's just done mm. or what his parents the fact that he's been caught doing it. Yeah. He's got nothing. He's just there and he's like, you know, it's just almost as if he's not there. Mm. Um, so yeah, this was um, as I say, shot over twenty days. I think, I think maybe twenty one. Um, shot for a budget of three hundred twenty five thousand, which again is a lot for an independent movie, maybe twenty years ago. But um, in the seventies, this was pretty cheap. Mm. Um, and for a long time, it was the most successful independent film ever. Right, so it was. Mm. Um, obviously, we've got Jim Lee Curtis who. Most people will know, but just in case, is uh, Janet Lee's daughter, um, from Janet Lee from Psycho. Tony so Curtis as well. Sorry, yeah, and Tony, of course. <laughs> yeah, okay, but yeah, I'm just pointing out the the, the horror right, case. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Donald Pleasance's character, Sam Loomis, is named after Sam Loomis from Psycho. So there was obviously right. like kind of they're paying some respects to the granddad yeah, of the, the slasher. Yeah, as a similar scene um, when uh, Warwick is up the stairs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Else was I was going to say, oh yeah, like the music. What do you, I mean? That's a big thing that people make a lot about the the, the musical score. Mm. What do you think of that? We spoke a lot about the musical score for Halloween Three, which again was written by Carpenter and and right. um, somebody else, mm. another guy. Can't remember his name now. Mm. What do you think of the score? Um, no, I mean the major themes are classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering though when I was watching it again, um, is it possibly too much music in the sense of taking away the effectiveness of the the scales, because every time Myers turns up, you've got a sting. Uh-huh. I'm thinking, I tried to watch it with the sound off. I would replay the scene and see if it worked. Uh, it didn't really make much difference, but yeah. I thought that maybe it's sometimes in silent movies they call it Mickey Mousing, okay. where you get really kind of cliched like cartoony music to to uh-huh. whatever it is on the screen. You're just kind of doing the same thing in two different mediums. I think it's the equivalent of the jump scare, jump scare now. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it, it's still meant to be a jump scare, but it's obviously not as dramatic as. But the music still, mm. you know, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think it works for that film. I, 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 I f- again, I feel that's retro retroactively judging it based on your own kind of what's the word resistance to to, okay. the, to that. Yeah, so, you know, not resistance. You know what I mean? Uh, You've got you gotten used to that kind of thing, so it feels maybe that it's overkill. Yeah, you know. Although again, though, that should be like a, a sort of pre-programmed reaction, a loud noise, and it's like you jump. But um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not hit the same. No, no, no. I, 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 I still, I still uh, feel uh, that it's now, now because you expect it's like your your whole looting bus thing. Right. You know, like you don't. Those don't affect you really anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I'm guessing a lot of people are the same. You know, it's the kind of. They still get me, but mm. it it doesn't get you. Um, you know, a lot of times jump scares because you know they're coming. Right. You know, me that, personally, I think yeah. I do, but I think general audience terms like they all yeah. still love that. They go for it, like so the audience the, recently for Insidious Two, mm-hmm. for instance, or Paranormal Activity. In that series, so then, um, could you not apply that same theory to this? Then you could do. If if you know what I, I mean, from, from from your experience, your personal yeah, experience, I can only say that my reaction to it. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is, is it's a similar thing to the the thing that you have with modern horror with the jump scare. 
mm. is maybe the same thing that you have with this in Halloween. Um, what with the jump scares? You know the kind of the stings and yeah, and musical cues. What I don't like them. It's not that you don't like them. They yeah. they don't affect they don't you. Affect. So they, I, I mean, but even I think it's because I know they're coming. They still make you go, oh, right, that was a loud noise. There. Um, okay, but it's more so than this. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, it don't scare don't scare me, but that's because I know the film so well. So yeah, um, and you don't always have the same thing. So like, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I think, as I say, the, I, I love. I think the music's uh, classic. I do, uh, and I like those little stings. Mm. But as I said, I don't know if they they maybe really got people back in the day or not. No, I'm sure they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. Jamie Lee Curtis was definitely scared when she yeah. watched it in that commentary. <laughs> <laughs> she was freaking out. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, anything you want to say about Halloween? Um, thoughts? I, I mean, it's a. I feel it's a really important film in the American slasher genre, um, for obvious reasons, all of which have been said by us and other people many times before. Um, I feel it's it's a nice if you stay strictly to kind of the mainstream like slasher you know going it's a nice bridge from something like psycho to like the kind of 80s slashers of like nightmare on street and, and friday the 13th um i think i think it still i think it still works as as a suspenseful film i don't feel that it's it's scary necessarily i think um it's a nice setup for what michael myers would become later on uh, and I think Car- probably Carpenter's well, his first really good film I think um, visually and and um, technically and if you've not seen it I mean, get it seen <laughs> you know <sighs> Gary <laughs> yeah, I mean I'll bow to the general consensus that it is a classic piece of horror cinema uh, personally, I wouldn't rate it amongst my favourite or what I consider the greatest films, but um, it, it's definitely I, I do like the film, and it's definitely a good film. Um, has some flaws in my opinion. Kind of what you said, you, what you were like well Argento um, as a filmmaker, right? Because yeah. of how hyped and how well, highly regarded he, he was, right? When you first came to me, you thought, kind of, eh? Um, no, possibly. Although I try to. Let the film talk speak for itself yeah, whenever I guess, I'm caught. I, um, I mean, yeah. you, you'd kind of said, like, you know, how he was heralded as the Italian Hitchcock. You're right, aye. And that kind of. Um, definitely, when you're expecting one thing, you get something that ain't near, possibly, near yeah. in your head what that was. I mean, if the fates hadn't aligned and this film had just been another slasher, mm-hmm. then maybe I would, mm-hmm. would look at it slightly differently mm-hmm. and it'd be like a, an undiscovered gem. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to be completely objective. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I can't separate from the nostalgic effect that this film has on me, um, or the place that it holds in my kind of my film watching filmography, um, if, as it were. <laughs> you know what I mean? The the you know oh, my right. pantheon of of films that I've seen and actually cared about and and enjoyed and and paid attention to. Um, so I don't really know if what I'm saying 
is right, but I mean, there's more folk that agree with me than agree with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's definitely, as I said, we're both definitely valid points. I think I can definitely see where you're coming from. Is I don't know if I could, if I was just coming to this the first time, I don't know how I would feel about it now. Um, having seen everything, you know, I've seen and, but yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, as I say, up there in my estimations anyway good stuff fellow folks as well right important people Gary <laughs> <laughs> no wee fuckers like you <laughs> I'm only joking <laughs> I'm not really joking I'm joking I'm joking so um, I think we already said that brings us to the end of this, <laughs> this episode so moving on Gary what are we going to be looking at next the next episode we're going to look at was for Valentine's Black Metal Veins. Right, okay, so that's the kind of document. Is it pseudo documentary or is it a documentary? Um, you watched it? Yes. yes oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's actually both. Right, okay. <laughs> in a weird way. Oh, yeah, it's a, a yes. standard documentary, uh-huh. but can I go to the, the last part of the film goes off into a fictionalised uh, story? No, this is one I've been looking forward to seeing yeah, since yeah. we uh, watched the Vomit Go trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome, that sounds good. Um, I just want to give a little plug, if I may, before we go. Um, I think last episode I mentioned that I've been working on some short films with people. Uh, we did a Halloween short um, type thing. It's just a, a little five-minute thing that we put up. It's not the film that I was working on. This was just shot in one day. Um, it's on YouTube just now. Uh, the channel is El Gato Film Pro. That's E-L-G-A-T-O, Film Pro, all one word, as it were. The film is called I Confess. So if you just pop in I Confess Halloween Sketch 2013, you should be able to find it. Uh, give it a watch. It's only five minutes. It's um, I'm I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's pretty good. Uh, Gary's seen it. He said it was, yeah, it I was good. Yeah, uh, And he didn't even like Halloween, so so um, <laughs> so it must be all right. <laughs> uh, so worth a watch. Just say if you like it, give the channel a subscribe. Um, leave a comment that I sent you from Cinema Subculture. Uh, so yeah, thanks if you, if you check it out. That's brilliant. Um, as always, drop us a Facebook message, an email, whatever you like. Mm. Uh, Facebook's forward slash Cinema Subculture. Email cinema undersub- underscore subculture at hotmail.com. Um, we've also got the blog spot. We're going to start doing some more stuff, I think, on that. Yeah, try and post a few more things, just little, yeah. maybe text-based things, yeah. top five movies and whatever. It's samsubculture.blogspot.com, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's it. We'll put a link up on the Facebook page or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, get, uh, check us out um, at these places. So, I think that's all. Gary, anything? Um, I don't know if I mentioned last time uh, about how I managed to fix the whole... If you haven't heard episode one. Right. But there was a problem on the iTunes that, that didn't pick up all the blog. Um, it was only the last maybe cut off the first 10 episodes or something like that. Mm. Um, but I managed to fix that. So anyone who joined us later or whatever, yeah. if you want to go back and listen to episode one to whatever, it's they're all, they should all be there now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can see the genesis of, of Cinema Subculture. Listen to last year's Halloween <laughs> special and the Christmas special, you know, because yeah. I don't know if they would have maybe disappeared before people yeah. came on to, to see us. You, know, um, you can listen in the blog spot as well. Yeah. Uh, just, if you go, uh, yeah. just click the title there. 
Uh, yeah, if you click the title, because uh, I think there's some maybe some people had confusion over that. Yeah. Um, you can either right click on the title and save as and download mm. the, the thing, or if you just click on the title, it loads up a like yeah. a web page MP3 player type thing. Um, if anyone has any problems playing any episodes or getting episodes from anywhere, if they maybe don't use iTunes or anything like that, if you do use Facebook or, as I say, if you've got an email address, just pop us an email mm. onto the one we said, and we'll we'll direct you exactly how to listen. Yeah. Um, of course, if you're can't listen and you wouldn't have heard this so <laughs> uh oh ask your friends <laughs> um, never mind <laughs> uh, also just in regards to the last episode um, we put up a wee disclaimer because we thought it was a bit shit um, the one in Carnival of Souls and Equinox but I think this is a wee bit of a return, yeah. return, return to, form. to form yeah yeah. Um, it was a bit was... of a scramble getting that yeah, together yeah, and, uh-huh. that. and we had yeah. like six weeks between when we yeah, actually yeah. watched the films and when we did the podcast <laughs> Um, so and we're just getting back on the horse Gary yeah but as always the name of the podcast is Cinema Subculture and thanks very much for listening guys alright